Chapter 5 of Dot and the Kangaroo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carl Cubbage. Dot and the Kangaroo by Ethel C. Pedley. Chapter 5. Now we must find Willy Wagtail, said the Kangaroo. The chances are clickety clack. His big cousin who lives in the bush will be able to tell us where to find him, for he doesn't care for the bush, and lives almost entirely with humans, and the queer creatures they have brought into the country nowadays. We may have to go a long way, so hop into my pouch, and we will get on our way. Once more Dot was in the kind kangaroo's pouch. It was in the latter end of autumn, and the air was so keen that as her torn little frock was now very little protection to her against the cold, she was glad to be back in that nice fur bag. She was used now to the springy bounding of the great kangaroo, and felt quite safe, so that she quite enjoyed the wonderful and seemingly dangerous things the animal did in its great leaps and jumps. With many rests and stops to eat berries or grass on their way, they searched the bush for the rest of the day without finding the big bush wagtail. All kinds of creatures had seen him or heard his strange rattling, chattering song but it always seemed that he had just flown off a few minutes before they heard of him. It was most vexious, and Dot saw that another night must pass before they would be able to hear of her home. She did not like to think of that, for she could picture to herself all those great men on their big rough horses coming back to her father's cottage that night, and how they would begin to be quiet and sad. She thought it would not be half so bad to be lost if the people at home could only know that one was safe and snug in the kind kangaroo's pouch. But she knew that her parents could never suppose that she was so well cared for, and would only think that she was dying alone in the terrible bush, dying for want of food and water, and from fear and exposure. How strange it seemed that people should die like that in the bush, where so many creatures lived well and happily, but then they had not bush friends to tell them what berries and roots to eat, and where to get water, and to cuddle them up in a nice warm fur during the cold night. As she thought of this, she rubbed her face against the kangaroo's soft coat, and patted her with her little hands, and the affectionate animal was so pleased at the caresses that she jumped clean over a watercourse twenty feet at least in one bound. It was getting evening time, and the sun was setting with a beautifully rosy color as they came upon a lovely scene. They had followed the water course until it widened out into a great shallow creek beside a grassy plain. As they emerged from the last scattered bushes and trees of the forest, and hopped out into the open side of a range of hills, miles and miles of grass country with dim distant hills stretched before them, the great shining surface of the creek caught the rosy evening light and every pink cloudlet in the sky looked doubly beautiful reflected in the water. Here and there out of the water arose giant skeleton trees with huge silver trunks and contorted dead branches. On these twisted limbs were numbers of birds, shag, blue, and white cranes, and black and white ibis with their bent bills. Slowly paddling on the creek with graceful movements were twenty or thirty black swans, and in and out of their ranks as they passed in stately procession shot wild ducks and moorhens like a flotilla of little boats amongst a fleet of big ships. All these birds were watching a pretty sight that arrested Dot's attention at once. By the margin of the creek were tufted rushes, and tall sedges shed their graceful reflection on the pink waters, where a party of native companions dancing. In these times it is seldom we can see a sight like this, said the kangaroo, 
the water is generally too unsafe for the birds to enjoy themselves. It often means death to them to have a little pleasure. As the kangaroo spoke, one of the native companions caught sight of her, and leaving the dance, opened her wings, and still making dainty steps with her long legs, half danced and half flew to where the kangaroo was sitting. "'Good evening, kangaroo,' she said, gracefully bowing. "'Will you not come a little nearer to see the dance?' Then the native companion saw Dot in the kangaroo's pouch, and made a little spring of surprise. "'Dear me,' she said, "'what have you in your pouch?' "'It's a human,' said the kangaroo, apologetically. "'It's quite a little harmless one. Let me introduce you.' So Dot alighted from the pouch and joined in the conversation, and the native companion was much interested in hearing her story. "'Do you dance?' asked the native companion, with a quick turn of her head on its long, graceful neck. Dot said that she loved dancing. So the native companion took her down to the creek, and all of the other companions stopped dancing and gathered round her, while she was introduced and her story told. Then they spread their wings, and with stately steps escorted her to the edge of the water, whilst the kangaroo sat a little way off, and delightedly watched the proceedings. Dot didn't understand any of the figures of the dance, but the scenery was so lovely, and so was the pink sunset, and the native companions were so elegant and gay, that catching up her ragged little skirts in both hands, she followed their movements with her bare brown feet as best as she could, and enjoyed herself very much. To Dot, the eight birds that took part in the entertainment were very tall and splendid, with their lovely gray plumage and greeny heads, and she felt quite small as they gathered round her sometimes, and enclosed her within their outspread wings. And how beautiful their dancing was! How light their dainty steps, as their feet scarcely touched the earth, and what fantastic measures they danced, advancing, retreating, circling around, with their beautiful wings keeping the rhythm of their feet. There was one figure that Dot thought the prettiest of all, when they danced in line at the margin of the water, stepping and bowing, and gracefully gyrating to their shadows, which were reflected with the pink clouds of evening on the surface of the creek. Dot was very sorry and hot and breathless when the dance came to an end. The sun had been gone a long time, and all of the pink shades had slowly turned to gray. The creek had lost its radiant color, and it looked like a silver mirror, and so desolate and somber that no one could have imagined it to have been the scene of so much gaiety shortly before. Dot hastily returned to the kangaroo, and all the native companions came daintily and made graceful adieus to them both. Afterwards they spread their great soft wings, and stretching their long legs behind them, wheeled upwards to the darkening sky. Then all the birds in the bare trees preened their feathers and settled down for the night, and the kangaroo took her little human charge back to the bush, where there was a cozy sheltering rock under which to pass the night and they lay down together, with the stars peeping at them through the branches of the trees. They had slept for a long time, as it seemed to Dot, when they were awakened by a little voice saying, "'Wake up, kangaroo. You are in danger. Get away as soon as possible.' The moon was shining fitfully as it broke through swift-flying clouds. In the uncertain light, Dot could see a little creature near them, and knew at once it was a possum. "'What is the matter?' asked the kangaroo softly. "'Blacks,' said the possum." and as it spoke, Dot heard a sound as of a half-dingo dog howling and snapping in the distance. As that sound was heard, the possum made one flying leap to the nearest tree and scrambled out of sight in a moment. "'I wish he had told us a little more,' said the kangaroo. "'Still, for a possum, it was a good-natured act to wake me up. They are selfish, spiteful little beasts, as a rule. Now I wonder where those blacks are. I shall have to go a little way to sniff and listen. I won't go far, so don't be afraid, but stay quietly here until I come back.' End of chapter 5. 
Recording by Carl Cubbage, Brick, New Jersey. Cubby's Disc Golf World. Blogspot. Com.